Stay tuned after the podcast to listen to me and my dad. The Interviews with Lorenzo Melcher. Thank you for downloading this episode of The Interviews with Lorenzo. With me today is teacher and coach Sean Murray. Sean, thanks for being on the podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. First of all, I want to say um, when, whenever anybody starts a podcast, they can't um, make it big or even make it kind of big without help. And you've definitely helped <laughs> me uh, by sharing, the, even just sharing posts. Um, commenting on a few, sharing them with the school. Um, so I appreciate that. That, uh, oh, that course. helps a lot. Yeah. Um, no, I, it, so I had seen it, it's been on my radar and it was one of those, like, I was like, Oh, I got to listen to Lorenzo's podcast. And then I just, I feel bad, but I kind of just, it kept slipping. And then I think it was when, uh, Sarah Cannon was on, mm-hmm. like I listened to it. And then truly that day, I think I listened to like six of them in one day. And, nice. Um, no, they're, they're entertaining. Yeah. And like I said, I'm, I'm not a huge sports guy, but I like am still entertained just by kind of listening to the conversations and stuff. So, well, that's why I like, and we might have talked about it too, texting about. It. That's what I like to hear because I'm trying not to be sports oriented. But if we are, and someone such as yourself that isn't huge into sports um, can still listen to it and, and enjoy it, then that's you know yeah. hopefully we're doing something well here. You know, no, I I may not know what half of the vocabulary that you're using <laughs> is, but it's still entertaining enough that I listen to it. Well, so, good. Yeah. Yeah, um, I I can always tell when people share it too because I when I look at my downloads they go up. So when you shared it, and I think Scott shared it too, um, and and um, and you had shared other episodes. So and I def- I could see a big, a big skyrocket <laughs> on downloads. So that was cool. Cool. Good. Yeah. Um, you ha- uh, we met uh, a few years ago through coaching track. Um, I don't know a lot about you though. Um, <laughs> were you are you from this area? Uh, no, so I'm originally from Westerville, Ohio, so okay. down near Columbus. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved up here kind of kind of on a whim, but I ended up going to UT. But okay. uh, it was one of those where my a friend from high school was friends with some guys who were going to UT, and they asked him to move up to Toledo and live with them and go to UT. Yeah. And I just happened to be there while they were having the conversation and they were <laughs> kind of like, Oh, Sean, yeah, you, sh- you can come too if you want. And I ended up moving up to Toledo and the other friend didn't. So oh, wow. I was the only one that moved, but, uh, yeah. So I moved up here. Uh, I went to university of Toledo and then, uh, my wife is from around here. So oh, that okay. kind of kept us here. And, and, um, being in education, that's something you always wanted to do when you, for even when um, you first started college? No, definitely not when I first started college. Oh, so, okay. Uh, my mom's a teacher Uh and so it it was never really, I just never really considered it. I honestly didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was kind of a a career student for a while there. Okay. Um, I took a lot of philosophy courses. So actually when I finally kind of got around to graduating, uh, UT had like a kind of build your own major program, but it was, uh, I had enough philosophy credits that I could kind of create a somewhat philosophy degree but Mm -hmm. um no it was I kind of just I think I was like fifth sixth year undergrad okay and I realized you know all right I gotta figure something out here and (laughs) um it was I had anytime I would go home I would visit my mom's classroom and kind of help out in her classroom and and do that and I just I don't know why I never really thought of it until then but it was kind of like oh yeah teaching I like doing that (laughs) um 
but then at that point, it was when I met with my advisor, it was actually, it would have taken me longer to switch my major to education mm -hmm. as an undergrad than it would to, they just said, well, you have enough credits to basically graduate. You should just do this, graduate, and then go back and get your master's. Oh. So I kind of went that route. Okay. Um, so, which, so, so you can not be an education major as your undergrad and still become a teacher? Yeah, because I, I don't think every school has it, okay. but Toledo has, they called it um, like the LAMP program because it's like license and alternative master's program. So it's basically like you're taking the classes you need to get your license, but they're graduate, graduate level classes instead of undergrad level classes. Okay. So then when, like when I got my teaching license i had i think two more classes to take before i could get my master's so it was oh. kind of it's kind of like double dipping um but it was a more efficient route yeah than kind of switching that late in my undergrad career and i guess that's what advisors are for to, to yeah. help you yeah you know. i mean i'm glad they said it because otherwise i probably would have you know started been, over uh, yeah essentially yes would have started <laughs> over <laughs> yeah there, what what uh what kind of jobs did you have in college um so I kind of, I bounced around. Like I didn't have like, I, think, I, I mean, I worked at like the student union mm -hmm. bookstore. I think I, I worked at like the UT rec center. Um, summers I would, I had a, one of my roommates, his aunt uh, was in charge of like, I don't even think they have it, but at the time it was like Polaris Amphitheater and okay. then it was like Jermaine Amphitheater, but it was a big like concert venue down mm -hmm. in Columbus. But uh, they had mcdonald's in the, like the venue oh and, wow and she kind of ran those so we would go work at mcdonald's in this like music venue so yeah. then we could also see the concerts over there so i'd kind of do stuff like that yeah. and um and then kind of my last year of undergrad and then while i was in grad school i did i worked as a paraprofessional for springfield for a couple of years mm -hmm. and then i subbed um like could get actually I subbed for Perrysburg because they said they knew I was working towards my license so they kind of let me come in and sub and that okay. was kind of my foot in the door in yeah. Perrysburg. Oh nice okay uh to go back to that McDonald's job in the theater do, do you like music did you like concerts was that a part of, of um, that job or you just yeah that job? I, I did I mean yeah it it was it wasn't the reason why we got the job but it was kind of a perk okay um because we could it, it was always you know, at the at the end of the night, if it slowed down, we could kind of go out and catch the end of the concert. Or, okay. you know, if there was, I remember when I was in high school and college, I loved Blink-182. They were yeah, my favorite yeah. band. So I remember Blink-182 played and uh, I convinced my boss to let me out like early <laughs> enough that I could go watch the concert. That's cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was fun. It was yeah. just kind of, it was one of those where like we were by no means VIPs, but because we worked there, we mm -hmm. could kind of wander around the kind of the area the public wasn't allowed oh, to be at, okay. so we could kind of feel like we were VIPs, a little <laughs> bit, even though we were wearing McDonald's name tags. But <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Uh, what uh, you said, uh, Blink One Eight Two. What what other music did you like? Because I have a feeling we, if, if you like them, we might like the same type of bands. Yeah, I think we actually. So I know I've heard you talk about like Taking Back Sunday yeah, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, I definitely listen to them. Yeah. Um, I listened to a lot of kind of at, at the time, I don't necessarily think I would have 
admitted that this is what they were, but like kind of the pop punk kind of stuff and a lot of like the emo types. Yeah, I loved emo. I'm right now and I just texted my friend. I go... I'm listening to a lot of Dashboard Confessional right now, and I don't know what's, oh. what's, what's wrong. He goes, winter's setting in. Yeah. No, I loved, like, Dashboard Confessional, I think, uh, got me through many a breakup. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all that music is, I, I yeah. even started listening to it a little bit kind of recently, I, partially because, you know, I heard you talking about Taking Back Sunday, and yeah. I was, I know you said I didn't need to prepare, but I was like, well, maybe I'll go listen to some of the old music I used to listen to. Um, but I realized, man, I was like, all of these are about like heartbreak yeah. or somebody else's girlfriend or like. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, to to tell tell all your friends is my favorite, mm-hmm. my favorite album. That is yeah. by far, and and the used their first album. I forget the name of that one. I don't know if you listened to mm-hmm. the used, but those, yeah, a- Andrew and I talked about it too when when we had our podcast and. Um, but those, it, it's, uh, it takes you back, and I've said this before, it takes you back to a, a, a particular time. Yeah. And I always think about my friends. I remember in high school, we listened to Dash, Dashboard Confessional, and my friends Dodge Neon, um, <laughs> just driving around listening to music. Yeah. It's all, like, going back, it's that, for me, so, for me, it would have been my first few years in college, like the early 2000s, like mm-hmm. 2002 through four. Yep. Like it was all those albums or the ones like all the new stuff. I kind of it's it may sound weird, but it's like it seemed like too much work to start listening to the yeah. new stuff. I was like, I'm just gonna go back and listen to the old albums that I will recognize. And I know all the words <laughs> to those other yeah. ones, you know. It, it, it was nostalgic. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I don't want to learn new stuff. Like I just want to <laughs> listen to stuff I used to know. I was texting a friend last night about um, about Dashboard, and he said he was he goes, I still listen to them every once in a while. They're really good has really good lyrics in and I told him when we were in high school I didn't listen to them like I just I knew there were the words and I listened to the music but as I got older I listened to the lyrics and it is they're really for him Chris Caraba is is just really well written yeah and I, and that's an appeal too you know yeah. I, I even put on yesterday I put on the uh, MTV unplugged on YouTube so I was watching that too yeah. I just it's it's cool it, it's cool to um and for somebody else cuz as popular as they were I think at the time I still run into more people that don't know who I'm talking about. Oh, really? Especially like Taking Back Sunday. Like yeah. They, I don't know. They just, people like, I don't, and, and some people just didn't get in that music. And I, but I just, like for me, all my friends got into it. So I just figure it's, it's super popular everywhere. You yeah. Know? But no, I, I, don't know. I love, I think for me, part of it was, I don't, I don't really play anymore. I used to play the guitar and oh. I, I was not good by any, mm-hmm. you know, stretch of the imagination, but that kind of music with, you know, essentially power chords, like it, yeah. they're very easy to play along to. So okay. I think that kind of drew me to it as well. Cause I could, I could play along and it wasn't too difficult. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. Is that something you say you don't play anymore? You don't play any music instruments? Or uh, not, no, not really. Yeah. I mean, my, my father-in-law has a bunch of guitars. So I'll, like occasionally if we're over at his house, you know, I'll pick one up and kind of mess around with it. But yeah. I haven't, I haven't played really in years. It's tough to, to, because because you're a teacher and, and you coach two sports, it's tough to find time to do extra. Yeah, even even for yourself, you know, everyone everyone should do that. But but even coaching, like like just like you, I love coaching, so that is an extra thing. You know, it's fun to do. Yeah. So it's just picking up the extra things. It's just where's the time? Yeah. That's really, I was just talking to somebody, and um, I don't even remember how it came up, but I was just. I think I said like, yeah, I, you know, running, that's, mm-hmm. that's my only hobby. Like, you know, even <laughs> coaching, it's, it's connected to running, yeah. but it's kind of 
Like it's, I you, used, s- you sound mad about it. <laughs> I'm not mad, but it's just, I feel weird when it's like, you know, if someone says like, oh yeah, what kind of stuff are you into? Running yeah. and coaching people <laughs> on running. And <laughs> so I, I, we've talked about it before on how you got into running. And I think, I think you said it originally was to lose weight. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so talk about that, how you, how you got into it. So I was very late start with running. I didn't, so when I was really little, well, I say really little, but I think like junior high age, mm-hmm. you know, I would occasionally, like both my parents ran and kind of rode bikes and uh, my mom was a bigger runner, but my dad, I think did like triathlons and stuff. But, okay. Um, I would run with them kind of, you know, just for fun. But then uh, I had, and it's been so long ago, I don't know exactly, something mm-hmm. like where my knee started hurting. Okay. And I remember the doctor, I think just said, it was one of those, I was young enough where, you know, we, we went in and said, you know, his knee starts hurting when he's running. And so the doctor said, well, don't run as much. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I kind of <laughs> took that as like, oh, I shouldn't run anymore. Yeah. Um, so then I did, I was more into kind of like the BMX bike, skateboarding, rollerblading, mm. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until I was 30, like right, it was right around my 30th birthday. Cause um, at that point I had, like when I was in high school, I was pretty skinny, but then in the years after college, I kind of started to gain weight. And, mm-hmm. um, I went to the doctor and they said like, my, I had high cholesterol. And if I still had high cholesterol, when I went in the next time, they were going to put me on medicine. And oh, I just remember wow. thinking like, man, I'm 30 years old. Like I should not be on cholesterol medicine. Yeah. And so we, we went and got a gym membership. And I just remember thinking like, even though I didn't like it, I was like, I feel like running is going to help me lose the weight the fastest. Mm -hmm. So I just started running on the treadmill and I started doing uh, like one of those couch to 5k things. So it was kind of, you know, walk for 90 seconds, run for 30 seconds kind of thing. And then um, I actually, I signed up for, looking back, it was probably a little ambitious at the time, but I just decided, well, I'll sign up for a half marathon because... Wait, wait, as your first race, like, coming out of this? Yeah, I mean, so it had been, like, a few months at that point, but I I don't know, for me, that's still pretty... I think think when I signed up for it, I I maybe had run, like, one, like, run-walk 5K kind of thing, but it was definitely, like, my the first race I was like, okay, I'm going to sign up for this and like train for it. And and part of it was I figured, okay, if I sign up for this and I pay the money for it, like I will quit because it was far enough away that, because I remember I I had friends who ran. Mm -hmm. And so I remember asking like, is this completely insane for me to kind of consider (laughs) doing? And they were like, no, not, you know, you should be fine. Just kind of follow a plan. And I got, they gave me some suggested like plans I could follow. Um, yeah, so I signed up and then just kind of started training for it. And it was, I think, during that kind of, like, it was like a three, four-month kind of plan I was okay. training for. And somewhere in there, it kind of clicked. I it can't, you know, pinpoint exactly when it happened, but it just kind of, at some point, it went from I was forcing myself to go out to run to, like, I actually enjoyed it. Oh, um, And I think some of it had to do with, uh, cause at the time this, I was teaching, I was at Bowser that year mm-hmm. and I actually like, I liked teaching there, but it was definitely a kind of, it was a higher stress kind of environment. Okay. And so I just, I remember I would get home from work 
and then I'd have to go out and run. And that kind of was my like almost like release of kind of tension. That like a, a stress reliever Yeah, like for it you. just, it was, I was, it was almost like, I know it may sound silly, but like it was, it was relaxing to go out and run after kind of being at work all day. Okay. And um, yeah, it just kind of, kind of stuck. Yeah. <laughs> that, um, I, I've so many times, I even did one of those apps to Couch to 5K and, and, um, so many times, like I start running and then stop, and it's there. There is never for me like a point where it's like, okay, I can let me do this or whatever, and or my knee starts to hurt and I can't, you know, because because then it starts affecting like my work because yeah. I work outside. I'm, I'm I have a pretty physical job, and I could just never get to that that point of not even like liking it like you do, but just like tolerating it, yeah. I guess. Well, I it, it's funny because <laughs> like you say, you're kind of like your knee's starting to hurt, like uh, it's. I joke with kind of my running friends and say like kind of the 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 biggest secret that runners don't like to tell non-runners is like we're always in pain. Like <laughs> I mean, I it, there's never a day that something on my body isn't hurting. Right. Um but we don't talk about it because if you always talk about it, no one's going to start running. If you say like, "Oh yeah, you should start running." Like you're going to be in pain all the time, but you should definitely start. Um but that's even with with coaching like I, it's always a interesting kind of experience talking to like the girls that I coach and like when they'll say, well, you know, my leg hurts and it's like, okay, where on your leg hurt? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, I don't know. He in this area. And it's like <laughs> their entire leg. <laughs> or it's like, well, what, what does it feel like? Is it like a sharp pain, a dull mm-hmm. pain? I don't know. It hurts. And just trying to say like, well, it's gonna hurt. Like yeah. there's a difference between kind of like an aches and pain just because, you know, you're putting miles on your body every day versus yeah. like an injury type of pain. Yeah. And, um, that's yeah. A, I, we even say that in football, like there's, there's, are you hurt or are you injured? That's what we always say. Like, does yeah. it hurt? Cause it's gonna, yeah. Now if you're injured, that's different. Go see the trainer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause that's, that, 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 that is something I never thought of that. You're right. That, the secret that runners don't say is like, yeah, it hurts. Yeah. It's gonna, I man, mean, you're, I, you're running. Yeah. I've got, I've, if I went through the list of all my body parts that were hurting right now, it would, it would, <laughs> We'd be here for three hours. <laughs> now, we're coming up on the end of the year. Do you did you have like a, a running goal this year? As like I want to do this many races or this many miles or anything um, like that. So, I mean, I always have kind of specific races I would like to do. Obviously, this year was you know yeah. didn't really get to do much of any races. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like miles, so I I have a few kind of different apps that I like will log my runs with, but uh, the main one that kind of I like everything goes to a Strava. Yeah. I think at the beginning of the year, I put um, like 1,500 miles in um, just because it was around what I ran last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually, like I passed that a while ago. I think I'm at like 1,800 oh, now. Wow. Um, and I just, like the past couple days, I was like, well, I wonder if I could hit 2,000. <laughs> but then I looked and I'd have to do, uh, I think as of yesterday, it would have been, I had to do 12 miles a day every day. Oh, wow. And I don't want to say it would be impossible. You could but probably do it. I, but it yeah, I could do it. I just don't know if I'd enjoy it, yeah. um, especially now. Because over the summer, like, I think over the summer, I was putting about 10 miles a day in. Mm-hmm. But that was, I'd run in the morning, and then I'd go back out, like, in the afternoon and do a second run. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of harder to do that now. Okay. Um, so, I yeah. it's. Is that just because it's cold? 
Um, or well, time, or just time. Ma- mainly, I mean, cold doesn't really bother me too much. The, okay. the biggest thing is, uh, it's it's so dark in yeah. the morning. Like I don't like running, you know, before the sun comes up. And uh, just with, I mean, even though we're teaching remotely, like we still, you know, have to kind of be present yeah. and, and and whatnot. So uh, I'd have to go early enough in the morning that it would still be dark, and then it's just kind of yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I uh, we always when we're out, especially today, I was out doing removing snow and stuff, and I always got to have that reflective vest on because people people don't don't look. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's that they don't care. Um, I, they just they're not looking for someone running down the street. Yeah, you know, especially that early in the morning. Yeah, you know, and I've seen people um, when I used to go when I used to work at UT, I would drive through Perrysburg through Maumee, and I'd see the same like handful of people at I don't know five thirty in the morning like yeah. running, and it's like man. So my, I think it must have it was my must have been my first year at Perrysburg because it was before I started coaching, um, and I was just my afternoons were because kind of first year teacher like mm-hmm. I was you know pretty much working you know for five hours after the school day was over just kind of getting everything ready and whatnot. Um, but I started there was like two months when I decided okay I'm going to run before work, and I would go out like I'd get up five o'clock roll out the door and go for a run and. I would do it, but I just, I realized after like a couple months that like I found no joy in it whatsoever. Like I just kind of, I was never looking forward to going running. Mm-hmm. It was never fun while it was happening. It was just kind of, and so I just kind of said like, if, if I'm not having fun, why am I doing this? You know? So <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't run before work anymore. You got to find the fun, the fun yeah. part of the day. Then, yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Um, how long have you been the uh, cross country coach? We'll start there. Um, so this past season, I think if I'm, if I'm doing my math right, was, would be my sixth year. Okay. And it's just the girls? Uh, yeah. So my first year, uh, uh, both me and Matt Ferguson kind of, we were like co-head coaches Mm -hmm. and at the time the team was small enough that kind of, we didn't, we didn't split the boys and the girls. We kind of just both coached everybody. Okay. And then um, I think it was the next year we kind of on paper like split it. So I think I was officially kind of girls head coach and he was boys head coach, but we still kind of trained together most of the time. Mm-hmm. And then just as the years went on and, and the numbers got bigger, uh, we just kind of s- slowly started kind of splitting up more and more just kind of make it make it manageable yeah and especially now um like we each have assistant coaches as well so there's like four coaches total like there's me and my assistant coach and then matt and his assistant coach so um and i mean i think i had like i think like 56 girls this Uh last season and i think matt had 50 something boys so it's they're big enough that trying to do anything with all of them together yeah. is next to impossible. What do you attribute the growth to the team? Like there's more, more kids coming out. Um, I, you know, I, I know Perrysburg has always had kind of bigger teams. I think at least mm-hmm. with like cross country, like they've always been a bigger team. Um, in terms of kind of why we keep getting bigger. I, I don't know for sure. I, I guess I'd like to think some of it has to do with kind of the success we've had and um, both, you know, success in kind of we've, you know. Well, done, I know the junior high and the high school yeah. both have really succeeded. In yeah, we've so the the junior high, this is our this was our third third year where we won 
like the NOL championship. Mm-hmm. And then also the third year, there's like a um, junior high state invitational because there's not like a state championship the same way there is like at the high school level. Okay. But the OHSA puts on a junior high like state invitational kind of as uh, like alternative to or kind of the closest yeah. thing to a junior high state meet. And so we've gone to that. We've gone four, I can't, four or five years. Okay. But the past three years, we've won that as well. Oh, wow. So, like, so, yeah, the, I mean, we've done really well, which is, which is you know, a, I think, you know, a, a huge testament to just kind of the, the quality athletes we have. Yeah. Um, so I think that, I think, probably draws more people in. And, um, I mean, we try and make it fun. And I try, and <laughs> sometimes I think I spend too much time uh, but like with the, you know, we have like team Instagram account and Twitter oh, and all yeah. that. So kind of trying to put the word out there as much as possible to, yeah. especially since when um, HPI opened up and kind of we lost the sixth grade at the junior high. Cause I, that was always, even though the, the sixth graders couldn't participate in sports, but whether it was through like winter running club or just, Oh yeah. You like could still like them in the yeah, yeah. Like I, I was there to kind of, you know, make myself known and, and kind of, I could scout out the talent, I guess, yeah. you know? Um, so that made me nervous when HPI opened, I was afraid, you know, we might see our numbers drop cause mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't be able to kind of recruit yeah. as much, but, um, you know, thankfully it hasn't happened. Yeah. So well, that, I mean, I've talked about before on here that, that social media is a huge recruiting tool, especially now. And, and it might sound ridiculous that you have to, you're on there for sixth graders, but they're on there. Yeah. Like what, you know, they're, yeah. they're going to see it and they're, they're going to be a part of it. And yeah, you know, and, and, um, and, and that, that, that would scare me too. Like having such a, a recruiting tool in the building with those guys there and then leaving. But, but yeah, I was I, when I would pull into football practice, and I always see the girls out there, and I always think, like, man, there's a there's a bunch of them <laughs> out there. There's a lot of them, yeah. Do do most of those girls then will, will they do track also? Um, I most yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some, like, they won't all do distance necessarily. Like, there's always oh, okay. a handful of girls who kind of will choose to do the sprints. Um, usually, what will happen there there are some that kind of choose to do sprints and you know, I'm all for that. Like, you know, not that, not that they were bad at cross country, but you know, you can kind of tell like, Oh, I, I think they do better kind of with the shorter distances. Yeah. Um, but then there are always also some who, for whatever reason, they think they're going to do sprints. And, uh, I, I try as much as possible to let them kind of do that and then yeah. realize on their own that they probably are better <laughs> off with the distance group, yeah. <laughs> um, rather than kind of like try and force them and say, no, you can't. Cause mm-hmm. it's kind of one of those where I feel like, as soon as I say, no, you can't, then they're just going to want to do it more. So, um, (laughs) yeah. So, um, how do you, this, it sounds funny in my brain. How do you teach running (laughs) or coach running? Um, so, or, or I guess maybe I should phrase it this way. Like kids know how to run, right? You're not, you're not telling them this is how you run. You put one foot in front of the other fast, but is it, so is it more like, you, you're training them for a long race as opposed to like coaching them on how to, so there's, how to I run. mean, there, there is kind of the, the fundamentals. Usually what, uh, like I will I don't take a ton of time kind of dedicated to this, but you know, we talk a little bit about, you know, what is good running form look okay. like, you know, where should your arms be? You know, what should your posture be like? Kind of that don't 
you know, over stride, kind of keep your center of gravity over, you know, your feet. Don't like have your feet way out in front of you. That So there's like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then kind of like, you know, proper breathing and, and that. But um, the majority of what we do is just kind of training for the races. And, and what that tends to look like is, you know, we'll have, so at the beginning of the season, kind of before the meets start, uh, try and have, you know, maybe one day a week where we do some kind of, uh, like a call it like a workout, like speed work where mm-hmm. it's, it's more than just going out and running for X amount of minutes. Um, something, whether it's like intervals or, uh, like repeats at a, on a, you know, set loop or something okay. like that. Um, but just something where they're running harder for sh- kind of short periods of time and uh-huh. then resting and then running hard again, that kind of stuff. But, uh, a lot of it is kind of teaching, like, especially this past year, I felt like I had to have a lot of conversations about like, you're not going to get faster by running fast at practice. And I know that oh, it's, okay. it's kind of like a counterintuitive thing, but, mm-hmm. um, like kind of there's, and I, and I, I totally get it. Cause honestly it's a issue that even now, even though I know it, like I find myself doing it sometimes, like I'll go out and kind of run without kind of looking at my watch or anything. And then afterwards we're like, Oh, I, ran, I did that way too fast. But there is, you know, if you're kind of doing a, like what's, you know, in your plan, like an easy run, like there is, you can go too fast. Okay. And it'll have like, not only it's kind of, I don't, same thing. I tell the girls, like, I don't want to get too like sciencey about it. Cause yeah. it then like, you know, everyone loses interest, but. Well, that's um, all right. When I teach shot and disc, I always, <laughs> I talk about centrifugal force. So they- well, I mean, basically what I say is, uh, you know, you have like your, you have your aerobic system and then your anaerobic system and it's kind of, you know, oversimplifying it's based on, you know, how fast your heart rate is. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're over a certain, you know, beats per minute, you're kind of getting into that anaerobic zone and, you know, we need to work that anaerobic zone, but that's what we do on, you know, the workout days, the speed work days. Ah, okay. And, you know, if like we're, when we're running our easy runs, you know, they should be, they're called easy runs for Like it should feel easy. You okay. should, like I tell them, you know, you want to do these at a conversational pace. Like okay. you should be able to run with somebody, carry on a conversation, complete sentences and not feel like you're out of breath. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do feel like you're out of breath, you're probably running too fast. Mm-hmm. But um, both because one, you know, there's a benefit from running in that aerobic zone, you know, you're building up your aerobic capacity, but also if you run your easy days too hard, then when we go to do a workout the next day, you're not going to be able to run oh, the workout yeah. as, as fast as you should because you're tired from yesterday's run. So, yeah. um, as, they have to know like the big plan, not just today. Yeah. Plan, right? And that's yeah. kind of, and it, like I said, I, I, I totally understand why they feel this way, mm-hmm. but I do feel like it's a lot of the conversations I have are, you know, I know it doesn't make sense, but you've got to <laughs> trust me. <laughs> you're not going to get faster by running faster at practice. I know it sounds insane, but trust me. Just be like, hey, tr- trust me. Three Pete three state champs here. Trust me. I know what yeah. I'm doing. <laughs> well, I, I tried to use an analogy of it, and I, I feel like it, it definitely was kind of lost partially in translation. But I said, you know, it's imagine, you know, if you're running at below this like heart rate, mm-hmm. it's like you're, 
studying your math textbook. Mm -hmm. And if you get above this heart rate, it's like you're looking in your science textbook. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, if the goal is to study math and you're like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to study real hard and get up and start studying science. (laughs) Like it's not doing you any good (laughs) because you're supposed to be studying math. So it's, it's kind of, it's, you know, I I get their intention because they, because, you know, it is kind of natural to think like, well, you know, the harder I try, the better I'll get. Yes, but it, yeah. it, it is kind of like, like you said, that you got to look at the big picture yeah. and kind of trust the process. Do you often, I'm assuming whenever you guys do go out on a run, you're running with them? Uh, yeah. So we do a lot of um, kind of like, I call them like out and back runs. And all of ours, for the most part, are minutes based because kind of for the first couple of years, we would do more like, you know, all right, we're going to run three miles today. Mm-hmm. But then, especially as the team got bigger, um, realized, you know, okay, three miles might take, you know, one set, you know, 25 minutes oh, and another set, okay. 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. So we'll do like, all right, we're going to do a 35 minute run today. Okay. And if we do like out and backs, we'll say, all right, you know, if we're doing 35 minutes, we'll go out. See, this is, I'm not a math teacher. Was that like 17, 17. and a half? Yep. So like out for 17 and a half and then everybody turns around at 17 and a half and runs back. Uh, okay. So in theory, um, you know, everyone should finish. And the kind of the, the kind of nice kind of bonus of that is I can kind of say like, all right, if, you know, everyone, if you turn around at your halfway point mm-hmm. and you realize you're getting back and it's been 40 minutes and not 35 minutes, like that means you went out too fast because you had to slow down on your way back. If you get back and, you know, it's only been 30 minutes, then that meant, you know, you ran a lot faster on the way back, which I'd rather see that because you can kind of make up minutes. But um, if you're, I say, you know, if you're constantly finding yourself turning around at the halfway point but never making it back in time, Mm -hmm. then like start out a little bit slower. Okay, yeah. Do, do you have so when when you're running with them? I'm assuming your assistant coach, uh, Michelle Dalton, um, she's someone's in front and someone's behind. Uh, so usually I'll I'll kind of be out in with the front group, and I try and my kind of goal is to uh, like no like I don't want to turn around until I know everybody else has turned around. Okay. Uh, so because we also with kind of having the bigger group we sometimes he'll have kind of two or even like three. So maybe it's a, you know, all right, today is either a 30, 35 or 40 minute run, uh-huh. depending on kind of, you know, their experience basically yeah. like the, the girls who've been running longer can kind of run the longer minutes. Um, so I'll typically go out with the front group and then kind of keep going out until I know everybody else has turned around. Then I'll turn around and run back mm-hmm. with them. Um, and Michelle tends to kind of, take up you know more of the rear um just because she's lovely like that and willing to do that (laughs) so (laughs) i appreciate it um but yeah so we kind of like bookend the group basically so and and usually that kind of prevents anyone you know taking wrong turns and getting lost anywhere so i've never coached a sport where i couldn't see everyone all the time so it's it's uh it, it would scare me to do that kind of stuff because, because I when I coach football or, or or even shot and disc or baseball or anything, everyone's right there. I can see everyone. Yeah. Oh, where's Johnny? Oh, he had to go see the trainer. Okay, I know where everyone's at. 
this, you just, it put, I guess you puts a lot of trust into your athletes too. Yeah. it is, And so it, it's something that usually kind of at the beginning of the season, uh, like meeting with parents, like I make a point to kind of mention that, mm-hmm. uh, not to, you know, I don't want to, you know, scare parents, but just kind of making it clear, you know, we do run off campus, Yeah, you know, we keep track of them, but you know, just make it clear, like we will, they will not always be within, you know, direct line of sight to a yeah. coach. Um, but then we also tell the girls, you know, nobody should be running by themselves, especially, yeah. okay. you know, when we've got 56 girls on the team, like there's no reason why any one of them should be running completely by themselves because uh, there should always be somebody who is around the same, mm-hmm. you know, speed as them. And, and then we, cause one of the things too, that we do, uh, and I think it's one of the reasons why kind of we've done so well the past few years is like pushing really hard with what we call pack running. So kind of, cause especially during a race, like it's a lot easier to kind of push yourself and kind of keep trying when you've got a teammate right there next yeah. to you, kind of, you know, um, everyone's stronger kind of with in a group. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of really push that, like we want them to stay together in a group during the race you know, we say the, you know, the close, closer you guys can cross the finish together, the better. Uh, and that kind of translates over to practice too, where, you know, after first few weeks and kind of, we get, you know, whether we've had, you know, time trials or a couple of meets or something, and we can kind of get idea of where everyone's at, yeah. like we'll start to kind of put them into like pace groups and say, oh, okay, you know, okay. all right, you know, you six, you guys should be running together at practice you know, this is about what your easy pace should be somewhere in this range. Mm-hmm. And, and so then, you know, after, by a few weeks in, you know, the, everyone has kind of their kind of cluster. And okay. especially even this year, we more so kind of just because of um, kind of COVID restrictions and kind of recommendations, we had them divided into different pods. Yeah. So they were kind of, you know, chunked up into smaller groups anyway. So, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the end, like you said, you know, if, if we didn't, trust them to be responsible then we couldn't do it yeah and thankfully we've you know had a real good group of girls fast past few years so. and i think that's even being a junior high kid that's about the age where your parents start letting you do more things anyway so it just lends into that more like like hey my parents give me more, more responsibility um and this is part of being this team you have to have this responsibility of always you know knowing what you're doing or what yeah. you're supposed to be doing how does um how does coaching at a at a uh, cross country meet work for you? Because I'm assuming, um, and this is just based on my experience when I when I was little, I was in um, when I was in grade school, I did cross country for for a few years, and um, obviously they don't let people like your parents run alongside you. I'm assuming that's the same thing here. Um, but my dad would always find he would find a point, cheer me on. And I'd go really fast, and then he'd run to another point in the track or in the race, stand there, and then when I go by, he'd cheer me on. I'd run really fast again. He said he had to run like he didn't run with me, but he ran to all these different points yeah. just so he could cheer me on. Do you do that where you go to different parts in the race and just like to make sure like everyone's doing? Looking, yeah. Looking so good? usually, kind of what we'll try and do as long as it, and each course is a little different, so mm-hmm. it's going to kind of depend a little bit on on how it's set up. But um, ideally, what we want to do so at the junior high the cross country race it's it's two miles okay so uh if we can get to like we'll be there when they start and then if we can get to the mile mark before they get there mm-hmm. and then be at the mile mark to yell out 
their splits. Cause actually with, um, kind of how I do it one, like, you know, after the first, like one or two meets kind of, once you get an idea of about how fast they are, yeah. you know, I, I don't really like if they want to set kind of specific time goals, that's fine. But we really talk about, you know, in cross country time isn't important. It's, you know, your place, uh, especially cause kind of the nature of cross country is, you know, every course is so different. You can't like, just cause if you ran a, Oh, you this, know, this two miles might be different than yeah, this Yeah, like, miles. I mean, you could, I mean, like, for example, the, our home course at the fort, uh, is not an easy course because okay. you have Agony Hill and it's, you know, kind of lots of twists and turns and rough mm-hmm. terrain. So like running your, you know, fastest two mile time there is a lot different than, you know, mommy's home course, which is two laps around the asphalt at Rolf Park. Oh, okay. So, you know, so it's, you can you know, think about time a little bit, but it's a lot more about kind of the plate, like where you finish place wise. Yeah. Uh, but so what I'll usually do is, you know, if they have a, so say someone wants to, you know, break 13 minutes for the two mile, mm-hmm. like we'll say, all right, so if you want to break 13, then, you know, your mile split should, assuming it's like a relatively even course where, you know, the first mile's not going to be a lot hillier than the second mile, but we'll say, all right, so your, your mile should be like a six thirty. Okay. So, um, we'll try and go to the mile and yell out their mile splits. So they know if, you know, they ran the first mile too fast or if, you know, they ran too slow and they need to pick it up and then we'll try and make it back to the finish to kind of cheer them. Usually I'll go, you know, maybe at hundred meters or so down mm-hmm. from the finish to kind of around when they should be doing like their final kick okay. in and stuff and kind of cheer them in at that point. So I would imagine with uh, coaching long distance and track, it is more time-based because it is yeah. everyone's has you run a track everywhere. Yeah. Right. So track is definitely more. Yeah. It's, it's well one, cause it's, they're smaller races. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, it's just from a sc- scoring perspective, it's more purely time. I mean, it is like you want to finish ahead of the other person, but it's, yeah it's a lot easier to kind of predict finish times on the track because okay. even if we're on different tracks, you know, there's subtle differences, but for the most part, you know, a track's a track's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how, how did you, so how long have you been coaching track? Um, I can't remember. So I think this will be my fifth okay. year. I mean, if I can't yeah. remember if we started at the same time or not. Uh, I, cause I, I, I can't remember how long I've been there. So tried, like, <laughs> I you know, know what? Uh, were you there still there when Glenn was there? I was there for one year when Glenn was there. Okay. Okay. Like, I think I had then, two years with Glenn. Yeah. I, I, th- I think you were there. I, I didn't, I don't know if I knew it was only one year, but I mm-hmm. think you were already there. Cause I think you and Glenn might've been like the only, I think every other coach was new oh, the year okay. I started. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I guess I, was that five years ago. I, I know I it's know. It was. I think it's like two years less than I was coaching cross country. Okay, all right. And um, when that opportunity came up, was that just kind of a no brainer for you? Like, well, if I'm going to coach cross country, I might as well coach track too. Um, honestly, no. Okay. So it actually, because uh, um, Jim Mills was the distance coach. I don't know if if you worked with him. Um, I did not. So he was the distance coach, and then he was going to retire and he actually asked me if I would be interested in 
coaching like distance. And at the time I said, I just don't like, it was one more thing. Like I just, I just, (laughs) and it, you know, I, I don't dislike track, but it, it it didn't appeal to me as much as cross country did. Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of said, no, I don't think so. And then, uh, because then I think Ashley Mundrick, I think, okay, yeah, ended up coaching. She coached, I think, for a year. Mm-hmm. And then um, I can't remember if she got pregnant. Or yeah, that's right. I, I think she, so yep. she coached for a year and then wasn't going to. And then when it came up again, um, at that point, I think, one, I just kind of was like, ah, I don't know, maybe it'll be fun. And I also uh, know from talking to, uh, like, John Monheim, who's the high school girls yeah. coach, uh, like, the kind of closer I worked with him and kind of talking with him, um, I kind of started to realize that, uh, like, you know, a lot of people say, you know, track is kind of the second season of cross country. Mm -hmm. And so like, if, even though I think I would say most cross country runners probably like cross country more than they like track. Um, I also know, and I'll tell them, you know, the best cross country runners also run track. Yeah. Like you're not like you can run cross country without doing track, but you, if you truly want to get faster, you have to do track because yeah. it is, you know, it's, um, it is, it's shorter distance. It's more of kind of the speed work kind of stuff that we do a little bit in cross country, but it really kind of lets you kind of focus on that. So I think, um, it's almost like a whole season of speed. Yeah. Stuff. And it's just, and, and it's also, I kind of like at that point kind of really started to kind of get into just not just enjoying coaching, but like, like really liked it. And, you know, I wanted to build a program and I wanted to make it, you know, as good of a junior high program as we could be. And I kind of just realized, you know, if if I wanted that to happen, I think the best way to kind of do it is to also kind of coach the track side of things. Well, for someone who seemed hesitant about doing it, you, when I do see you out there, especially on meet days, you are really into it. And, and I think that, you know, that helps the kids a lot. Like if you, the kids can, the, the athletes will be able to tell like, oh, he's just out here to be out here or he or she. But when you're like into it and maybe sometimes more than the athletes, like they, they feed off that. And they're like, oh, if he wants to be out here, then I should want to be out here too and want to do my best and practice hard and all that stuff. So, so like I said, it, it, for someone who was hesitant about it, you, you seem to turn a corner as far yeah. as that is concerned. Well, I, it's just, I, I think more, I mean, I still, if you're asking me, I, I, I like cross country more than track, mm-hmm. but I, I just, I really like coaching that group of kids. Yeah. You know, I enjoy that and I enjoy seeing them be successful and, and them kind of progress and improve. So mm-hmm. kind of, um, yeah, the the entire experience, I guess, is, yeah. is I like being a part of. Do you do you embrace like? Because um, I noticed since you got there, like the more technical stuff as far as like like a camera or using your phone or this and do you like like to use that kind of stuff for uh, for tech? I, yeah, I do. I think part of it's just I tend to be kind of a, a techie person, uh-huh. so that like both comes naturally to me and also kind of appeals to me. Like I just I like finding new sources of technology and uses yeah. and stuff. Um, but I like doing it because I, I think it's, I mean, some of the stuff we do probably is, you know, if you were to say like it, your junior high track program, yeah. you really need, you know, high speed camera to show them their, you know, running form. And yeah. it's like, well, no, maybe we don't need it, but if they enjoy it or it helps them get better, then, 
you know, why not? Yeah, so, and that is one of those things you might not need. But if if one or a handful of of athletes get something out of it, then it was totally worth what you yeah. know whatever it was because that's that's ultimately what you're going for. There's there's always levels of just, and just like teaching and, and kids learning, there's levels of like, well, this person really wants to be here and this person doesn't want to be here at all, and you got to try to find common ground with all of them yeah so there's going to be those kids that really like that stuff and want you to film them and and can you talk can you meet with me after after the meet and go over this real quick just so i can learn some stuff and so that's what all that stuff's for and then yeah. the other kids like they see it and go oh, and are interested in it because it's cool you know yeah. technology everyone likes technology yeah it is funny with uh this past season there was uh like i said you know i, I try not to get too kind of scientific in the you know the reasons why we mm-hmm. kind of are doing specific things but we had uh, one meet where uh, the majority of the team did not do what they were supposed to do. And <laughs> so kind of afterwards, I kind of had, like, I didn't yell at them, but I said, like, all right, you know, if if you're not going to listen, then now you're going to have to listen to, like, why I wanted you to do that. Yeah. And, like, kind of I gave them the, the science-y, nerdy kind of explanation that I tried to avoid giving them. And there were, even though I... To me, that was almost like this is their punishment is they have to listen to the scientific <laughs> explanation um, of, you know, the body's energy sources and, and all that. Uh, like I had a couple of kids come up later and be like, so can you explain that again? Or can you like because uh, I think yeah. some of them I threatened to give them homework, like assigned reading. Oh. They were going to have to read. And I had a couple say, like, could you could you send me that reading? I, I kind of want to learn more. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, and so, you're like, dang it. I, in your head, you're like, I don't have anything. It's just an empty threat. <laughs> oh, I had it. Oh, I'm I, sure you I, did. I, I'm yeah. sure you did. <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> what, um, what, uh, we've talked about your coaching. And I want to talk about your teaching a little bit, too, um, even though <laughs> I don't want to make it seem secondary. <laughs> but uh, what, what do you teach? We, we talked about it in the texting. You said you're an inter- intervention specialist, technically, but you taught language arts. Yeah. So my, my degree is in special education. Um, so, uh, like my title is intervention specialist, uh, but kind of, and part of this is because how Perrysburg does things, or at least at junior high is, Mm -hmm. uh, like I, because I'm in a co-taught classroom, um, I co-teach seventh grade language arts and I'm with the same teacher all day, every day, which is great. Yeah. I love it because I've been in, you know, other districts where, uh, you know, I would, co-teach but i would maybe co-teach with five different teachers across four different subjects and kind of how co-teaching works is you know essentially in a co-taught classroom there is a certain percentage of the students in each class Mm -hmm. um are students who are on an iep okay and so i'm there kind of again if if you want to get technical it's like i'm there to make sure those students kind of get the services they need and yep. kind of, um, but, uh, again, because Perrysburg does it where, you know, I'm in the same class with the same teacher, we're able to really kind of go above and beyond that and, yeah. and kind of really just, you know, we teach all the kids. We're able to kind of, you know, if it's breaking up into small groups, just 50, 50 split or yeah. what. So it's, it's one of those where, um, because I've now, this is my seventh year, you know, teaching language arts in the junior high, it's kind of when most people ask me like, oh, what do you teach? Kind of unless I know we're going to get into a bigger conversation. <laughs> like my initial answer is just all oh, seventh grade language arts because oh, that's okay. like, that's the subject I teach every day. Yeah. 
Um, but then it's like, if you want to get technical, you know, mm-hmm. there's kind of more into that. So, so if, and, and you said this, and just so I'm, I know what you're talking about, if it was a possibly a different school or Petersburg dif- did it differently, you would be an interventional specialist um, and that you could possibly be doing different subjects yeah. all the time. So, um, like, for example, um, like I taught at Whitmer for mm-hmm. one year and I was, again, like intervention specialist and I was in co-taught classes, but how kind of it worked there. Um, and I think also part of it was because I was kind of lowest on the totem pole. So mm-hmm. kind of had, you know, kind of what classes needed covering basically. Yeah. But uh, so I was co-teaching. So it was same setup. I was teaching with another teacher in a classroom where, you know, a certain percentage were students on IEPs. But, uh, you know, I taught, I'm trying to think, like, uh, some sort of algebra class one period and then um, like a, a biology class, a technical writing class. And uh, so it was, it was one of those, I don't think I taught this. I definitely didn't teach with the same teacher more than one period. Okay. And I'm not even sure if I taught the same subject more than <laughs> one period. So it was, it was how, one of those. How where, hard is that? Because, it, because these teachers go to school, yeah. sometimes get their masters for this subject. I mean, it, it it was very difficult to do much more than just kind of like, how can I help out today? You know, I mean, yeah. I mean that essentially what, you know, I, like I said, you know, before I got my license, like I worked for, as a paraprofessional for a couple of years and, mm-hmm. and I loved being a paraprofessional. I think paraprofessionals are great. Like they honestly, I think they work harder than um, teachers do a lot of the times. Uh, but you know, when I became a teacher, like I, there's, there's definitely like, you know, when I became a teacher, I, I didn't want to feel like I was still a paraprofessional. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that's kind of how I felt in those situations because I I didn't have time. Like I couldn't plan with them. I couldn't, you know, cause I was, you know, bouncing all over the place. So it really was just kind of, if I was lucky, I'd have a couple of minutes to figure out like, all right, what are we doing today in class? Like, Uh how can I prepare? Um, so that was one of the things, honestly, that, you know, when I, when I came to Perrysburg, like, I loved, it was, you know, I'm teaching the same subject with the same teacher every day. Like, so, I mean, it's, it's great. Cause I mean, truly we have, you know, the same planning period. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we plan together, we design the lessons together. We, so everything kind of from, you know, start to finish is like done together. So yeah. it's, it's, it's really nice. Cause one, it's, uh, it's more fulfilling on my end and it also like i feel like it's it's better for the kids as well because it's it's kind of truly kind of everything's integrated together you know well it's like two teachers um as opposed to like a teacher and and uh how can i help you right now you know what i mean that's and and you said more fulfilling is because you 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 probably feel because you're comfortable with what you're doing because you can do one subject and you're planning together and you know what you're doing. Yeah. It's nice. That'd be difficult. (laughs) And we even, I mean, honestly, we like, uh, Melissa, my co-teacher now, like we tell this, we never really, I mean, there are definitely the students who like the students who are on an IEP, like they, for the most part, they know they're on an IEP and Mm -hmm. they, they know, you know, that I'm, you know, their case manager and I'm the intervention specialist, but it's not like we announce it on the first day of school. Like, yeah, you know, I'm yeah. Mr. Murray. I'm the intervention specialist, and this is you know Mrs. Gressman, the English teacher. Like we just say, you know, 
you guys are lucky. You get two teachers for <laughs> language <laughs> arts. Um, so we truly try and like make it as as much as possible. Like we're both there to teach, you know, all of Everyone. them. Yeah. Um, both because. Um, everyone benefits that way. And mm-hmm. also because we don't want to kind of like isolate certain students. You know, we don't want to say like, all right, I'm Mr. Murray and I'm here to teach you oh, and yeah. you and you <laughs> and you. Like, yeah. you know, we don't want to do that. So it's, it's kind of just, you know, you guys are lucky. You have two teachers. Yeah. And I honestly, I think some of them probably go through the whole year and, and never even question why they have two teachers. Yeah. They just think, oh, I have two teachers. Yeah. Um, well, that's cool. When you came to Perrysburg, to to be the intervention specialist, was it? Did they say, okay, you're gonna be, you have this position in language art specifically, or were there other ones like you could be like, oh, I'm better suited for this subject or that subject? Um, so the the job that I interviewed for was so at the time because I started as sixth grade language arts, um, but it was for language arts position. Okay. It was actually the the teacher that um, she decided to retire. She was someone who I had because I had subbed for Perrysburg for a few years and. Mm-hmm. She was uh, kind of one of the teachers that I subbed for regularly. So um, I think I'd like to think that kind of worked out well for me because yeah. I kind of already, you know, like she knew who I was. And um, Dale Wiltsey, who was the principal at the time, like he knew who I was. So I kind of already had like I could say like, oh, yeah, you know, I know that I you know, yeah. subbed for, you know, Brenda six times last year, you know. So yeah. um, but it, it worked out because um, even though. Technically, I, I'm qualified to teach all the subjects. Yeah, uh, language arts is definitely kind of my strongest area, or at least like what I'm most interested in. Okay. Um, and as you saw from my math skills earlier, it's <laughs> <laughs> math would not be uh, great for me. But uh, me neither. Yeah, I, I always tell the kids like it. Usually at cross country, they'll ask me some kind of. Usually, it's related to figuring out what they're pace should be or something and it's like I say i don't know like don't add like if you have an essay you need me to grade or you need me to correct your grammar i can do that but don't ask me to do math just make it round numbers yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> you'll be all right all right man well uh i'll uh get you out of here so you can get to bed on time right. <laughs> but uh again uh thanks again for coming on um uh, thanks for always sharing and um hopefully uh being a part of this making this podcast a little bit bigger i appreciate any help um and uh, hopefully we'll, well, I'll see you on the track. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think we've gone through enough, and and I mean, all sports are going on right now, yeah. so they're trying. To, you're figuring out a way to do it. Um, unfortunately, I think it's going to get a little bit worse before it gets better. But I think by the spring, we should be able to yeah. at least now. There's a plan, much like with school. There's a plan, so it should uh, should be able to be out there. Like I, I was talking with uh, uh, Andrea Monheim, who. Um, guidance counselor at junior high, but also is one of the high school track coaches. And mm-hmm. I was asking if she thought if they'd have an indoor season and kind of that, w- my thinking was I like, indoor. I wasn't so sure about because one it's, it's indoors and yeah. it's kind of over the winter, but I hope, you know, by, by the spring, you know, even if things haven't gotten dramatically better, it's, you know, we're outside and yeah. that'll kind of um, help a little bit. So I'm, I'm optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, Sean. Of course. Thanks again to my guest this week, teacher, cross-country coach, track coach, Sean Murray. This episode of the podcast and all episodes are sponsored by RealJP Multimedia. For all your audio-visual needs, visit realjp.com 
R-E-E-L-J-P.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. And go. Um, How you doing today? T- today. Wait, wait, wait. How you doing today? Good. <laughs> okay. Today was snowing. It was snowing today, huh? Yeah, it was kind of deep and kind of not. Yeah? Mostly not. Did you get to um, play in the snow? At no, school? Um, at school there are rules. If you have snow boots on, if a ball rolls into the snow, you're only allowed to get that ball. Um, but if if you, you have, if you have boots on, yeah, only boots. Okay. If, well, if you can have snow pants on too. Uh. Um, if you have snow pants and snow boots, you can play in the snow. But oh. none of us had snow pants. Um, some kids in my class had snow boots. Oh, so they're allowed. To, um. The, tell me about at, at dinner. You said somebody got in trouble. Tell me about what happened. No. Why? The, your friends aren't going to listen to it. No. Talking to the microphone. I don't want to do it because Jackson might hear it. I don't think Jackson's going to hear this podcast. Yeah. I'm okay. Not. Well, you already said his name, so. I'm yet literally not going to. Okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, tomorrow you get to do. You, do you get to do something special in school tomorrow? I get to do a pajama party. I get to learn about the Polar Express, and I get to decorate gingerbread cookies and eat them. Oh, that's cool. And um, we can wear pajamas. How many how many gingerbread cookies do you think you're going to eat? Probably 6,100. 6,100. Aren't you going to get a tummy ache? Maybe. Maybe. Um, I, um, what did I get? How was your trip to Target while, while I was podcasting? Target? Or where'd you? I thought you went to Target. Meyer. Oh, It's sorry. a Target gift card for my teachers. Oh. Just don't. Sorry, your teacher's not going to listen to this either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're making this podcast a way bigger deal than it actually is. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Um, what, what do you want to say to your fans? There was fans that were kind of disappointed that you weren't on the podcast last Sorry. time. Sorry. Sorry. That's it. You just had, you had needed a day off though, right? I don't pay you enough to be on the podcast. Yeah, you don't pay me. You have to pay me one dollar. One to be on the podcast. Yep. Well, I'm gonna have to start a Patreon then, so people can donate a dollar for Lillian to be on the podcast. Oh yay! <laughs> I don't think people would donate. So. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to burst your bubble. Uh, what did we do? <laughs> was that your bubble bursting? Oh. I popped. What did we do um, yesterday? That was fun. Do you remember? Mm-mm. You don't remember? It was so much fun. What did we do? Ice cream. Well, that. I, we did ice cream. And a nerf fight. A nerf war. Yeah. Well, that, that was pretty fun, huh? Yeah. Yeah. What, um, what was your favorite part of it? I liked when you scared me. We all screamed like, ah! <laughs> Don't scream so loud. <laughs> uh, that was fun. I liked scaring you. That was fun. That's rude. Oh, sorry. Um. Oh, you all right? Yeah. It's just it's just a little high. Well, you don't have to like sit like talk into the top part of it. You just gotta talk into it. Yeah, like, like that. Yeah, that's like good. This? Yeah, people okay. can hear you. Okay. All right. Okay. Do you know what sound? Harlow makes what do you when mean? she goes like this. She's like, oh, sometimes at school she goes like this. Mmm. Sometimes I I don't know what it sounds like. I I can't mimic what it sounds like, but she makes like little noises. Why? When we're playing. Uh, just I have because no yeah. you make noises sometimes too. How rude! <laughs> you watch too much Fuller House. <laughs> Is that where you got it from? How rude. Huh? 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything else to say to your fans? What are we going to call your fans? They um, should have a name. The, um, what, do we, what should we call them? The, the, well, I don't really know who our fans name, so. Well, we don't have to, like, name them. Like, people have name, like, name fans sometimes. I don't know what their names are, though. Oh, well, that's not what I'm saying. But we'll figure it out. We'll give your fans a name. Maybe maybe, maybe they'll give maybe, themselves their name. Maybe because that, that looks like you're fist bumping maybe the punchers. <laughs> the Lillian, Lillian's punchers? Yep. That's what we can call the fans? Yep, because it looks like you guys are punching. On the Nerdball Podcast logo? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the Lillian it punchers. Be, it should be me and Nolan punching each other. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Or Mateo yeah. and me. Oh. Mostly it would be Mateo. Why do you just why do you want to punch people? He Who? Mateo. No, he doesn't. Sometimes. Stop. Sometimes, Sometimes. not always. Because well, he's he, you guys are brother and sister. It's gonna happen. Yeah. You sometimes you no punch him. No one and Viv fight way more than us. Yeah. I mean Well, they don't know. Yeah, but when you guys are outside, I mean, you don't fight on the outside they don't like each other, but on the inside they do. Yeah. Yeah. Probably because they're brother and sister. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. Okay. Your uh, fans, other otherwise known as the Lil- the Lillian Punchers, will uh, okay. will appreciate it. Bye bye. Well, yeah. Um, if you don't have anything else, yep. Go ahead and say bye bye.